Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 223 of Dogcast Radio. It's a fun one, so strap in and prepare to be entertained. You can find this and every podcast and more at dogcastradio.com. Coming up, Annie Grossman talks about how to raise a lockdown puppy. We preach the gospel of science-based, reward-based, positive reinforcement-based dog training, whatever you want to call it. I usually call it good dog training. You know, it's good because it works. It's good because it's fun for humans. It's good because it's fun for dogs. Jason Forrest talks to Joe Nutkins about dogs and language. From a dog's perspective, whether we're teaching them in English, German, Japanese, it, it doesn't really matter for them. As long as we're consistent and we're clear with what we're asking, um, they can learn potentially several different things and each one could be a different language. And there's the Dogcast Radio News. More research now, and you know we love our research. And Canine Cottages have come up with some interesting research looking into how much dogs love their owners. But before all that, we go to Nashville. Well, we talked to Naughty Cohen and Steve McWilliams, who's in Nashville. At the time of recording this, the UK is heading towards a second lockdown, and lockdown, quarantines and a number of similar measures around the world have seen normal life disrupted and people's livelihoods severely restricted. So what do you do if you're a musician in lockdown? As luck would have it, Naughty and Steve set about making music all about dogs. We're going to talk today about a project called Rock and Roll Over, which sounds really great. I've heard a a, a couple of the songs. It sounds really great. I can't wait to hear more. And it's um, a tribute just to your favourite dogs. It's a great idea because it's it's not just the music and the love of dogs. You're actually doing good for for rescued dogs, for shelters. So I'm going to let you (laughs) tell everybody all about it. So tell me about whose idea was, was this, you know, this Rock and Roll Over? Who thought of it? Yeah, so I, you know, I started thinking about uh, music with dog songs. I think one of the things that I had heard that dogs like to hear their name. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I take my dog on lots of walks, and particularly this under this quarantine period, we walk a lot, and I'm always thinking of songs I can sort of like adapt and put his name into to kind of yes. keep it interesting. <laughs> and I started thinking about dog songs, and Steve and I were working on some other projects together. And uh, we started talking about what would happen if we created some, some songs about dog breeds. And we, we at first we attempted to just say, could we take some songs that were existing and kind of twist them up? And then at some point, Steve said, hey, why don't we just um, commission some songwriters and see where we go with it? And uh, so I, you know, I have an agency, a marketing agency that was looking to sort of come up with a sort of give back project. So we we said, let's, we'll sponsor it. And we paid uh, these songwriters to each come up with a song about a different breed. And it, at that, by the time we got to that point, I'll let Steve talk about it. But by the time we got to the point of saying, we know we're going to write songs about breeds, Steve and Deborah had already been working on trying to figure out how to 
articulate a breed. And there was sort of a little bit of magic to it because they were doing some research and thinking about it. And then when we actually started the project, which was early April, uh, we brought in, I think we had 13 songwriters on a Zoom call. Yeah. And articulated, look, we want you guys to go away and write a song. And I'll let Steve kind of talk about what happened once we started that. Well, basically, everything leading up to that, we had the Zoom call. And then um, basically, we took everybody, the 13 songwriters, including Deborah and myself, and gave everybody a breed and said, write a song about this breed. And you can also write a second song if you want to. And that's open-ended. You can do it about a breed. You can do it about uh, a thing or whatever. Um, and everybody jumped at the challenge. Everybody really loved it. I mean, Nashville's a big dog town. So yeah. everybody here has dogs or cats or animals or has had dogs in the past. Um, so that was the easy part. And it actually was pretty amazing because everybody really got into it and nobody phoned in a song. Everybody did really amazing. We were, I was getting songs back during this time over like a three or four week period because I gave everybody seven or eight days, which doesn't sound like a whole lot to, to actually write the song. So I was getting these songs back and just, we were amazed. I mean, yeah. the, the, I mean, Jamie Rubin, I am your beagle was the first one we got back. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is great. Oh, yeah. And then we got one from Megan Palmer. I mean, it was, it was incredible. I mean, everyone that we got was just incredible. So I knew right then we had a great record and I would send them to Nordy and yeah. Nordy would listen and call me up and go, Oh my God, this is incredible stuff. So yeah, yeah it was, it was pretty easy once we got to that point. Yeah. The hard part came in everybody recording the songs because we're in quarantine here. We're really not allowed to be near each other. Yeah. Um, so what we did was almost every almost every songwriter here has or has access to some sort of recording equipment mm -hmm. that they can use at home, little port portable studios and things like that, especially with the age of computers. Yeah. So we had them do some tracks for themselves mm. and we sent them to our drummer who is Ryan Rogers, who's pretty amazing. And he basically took their tracks and he put drum tracks to every one of them. Wow. And then he sent, he sent all those tracks with his drum tracks on it to Dave Coleman, who's the co-producer on this. And Dave basically put it all together. Um, wow. We added any kind of instrumentation we thought we needed. And by the time we got done, by the time I started listening to the, the master tracks, the end, it sounded like everybody was in the studio. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. They sound great. It's, uh, thank goodness for technology. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's funny because we've all discovered this new way of <laughs> doing things now. I guess people have been doing it for years, but we here in Nashville tend to be a little old school. So all this new technology, it's like, whoa, we can make an album sitting at home now. Yeah, yeah. You need never leave the house again, <laughs> apart from dog walks. <laughs> I hope we get to leave someday, but you know, right yeah. now. Yes, it would be nice, wouldn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, that sounds, see, that sounds quite, um, in, obviously intimidating to me because to write a song about a dog, because, um, as you were saying that, I was thinking, but if you're creative, you get inspired by your dog and that inspires whatever your creativity lends itself to, doesn't it? Well, you're right. Um, and it's interesting you bring that up because there were a few songwriters who would call me or, well, usually call me on the phone because I'm friends with most of these people and they would say, oh man, I, I, I want to do this, but I don't know what to do. You know, I've never done this before. I'm like, you know, and Nordy was great because we didn't really care what perspective you wrote it from, whether you wrote it from the dog's perspective, the owner's perspective, you know, yeah. uh, somebody looking in on the house perspective, any, any perspective worked. It was just a good song. And I think then everybody, and I said, you know, just look at your dog or think about the dog that you had or the dog that you want. And sort of everybody did their research and found out about the breed. So there's no weird things on the songs. It's all like specific to that, that breed. Yeah. Well, and they're so, they're so original and creative, you know, when we, uh, we got the list on and we gave them each, a breed and a couple of them had dogs that they sort of said, no, I have to write about it this way, which turned out great. Yeah. Uh, but some of them took on, they took, they did the research about what the dog was about and then created the content. But right when we got to the end, I have a friend who has a doggy daycare and I said, this is what we've got. And she said, well, you don't have a dachshund because we've got 17 songs on this. Yeah. She said, you don't have, you don't have a dachshund. And so we, we contacted Bob Lewis who had done that very sweet, that's my retriever song that I, yes. I played for you earlier. And we said, hey, we really need a dachshund song. We don't have a lot of time left. And I woke up on a Sunday morning, and uh, this, is, this, is, this is what I heard. Let me just play this for you. Yep. the sort of the, the dynamism of the dachshund doesn't it that that go-getting nature just to yeah, so let your easy. listeners know though this is a, a very wide variety record that that song is one end of the spectrum that's all the over on the other end of the spectrum it goes from that sort of 60s garage rock stuff to megan palmer's john prine-esque stuff so it's it's a very wide record, so it's not one specific thing. Yeah, and that's I'll that's the story. that's the cool part about it is that it really captures not only the 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 dogs but the diversity of this of East Nashville. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, to get to look at the the breeds that are uh, sort of covered here, we've got Great Dane, Dachshund, Bulldog, Retriever. Retrievers as a as a group, Basset Hound, um, Mutts, they're not forgotten. Yep. Uh, yeah, Pitbull, Birdies Mountain Dog, Terriers, Labrador, Shih Tzu, Greyhound, Chihuahua, Poodles and Doodles, <laughs> Beagle, and Shepherds. So I mean, it it, it is very all encompassing, isn't it? Well, we left off a yeah. few. You know, I don't think anything rhymes with lapso lapso. I mean, we tried. <laughs> 
we tried to get as many as we could in and we kind of kept adding until we said, wait, we can't really do any more. There's 49 minutes of content on here. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a point where you just, you've got so many songs that it's like, ah, we need to stop. You know, if, if it's popular enough, we'll do a number two. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, you've got to leave something for volume two, haven't you? Right. Exactly. So, and, yeah. and I think volume two will be pretty odd because there'll be a lot of really small breeds. <laughs> yes. You'll get onto like cotton de Tullier and things like that. <laughs> Akitas, things like that. You know. Yeah, huskies. yeah. We're going to do a song about huskies. Yeah, I like the challenge there, though. What rhymes with Lassa Apso? If any listeners can think of yeah. what rhymes with Lassa Apso, do let no. us know. <laughs> well, well, it's it, you think it's funny, but it's like you know when you there's so many great lines. These people like were so creative. Um, you know the you know with the uh, the Basset Hound song where he's basically saying, "I just want to go woo all day," is the verse. <laughs> Yeah, and, and they're all like, you know, you know, hey, I'm a chihuahua, you know, stay away from me. And the way that they're, the 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 words come together with the vocals and the music, it's just really special. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I didn't think anybody could write the Shih Tzu song, and <laughs> and uh, and I gave it to Steve Rempis because he was the only person crazy enough that I could think of that could do it, and he did it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Excellent. So, you know, with all that going on, Jen, we also started trying to figure out a charity angle. Yes. So while, while Steve was doing that production, I contacted a regional shelter and said, hey, this is the idea. We'd like to create a platform for people to get this music by donating to shelters. Uh, but we need a lot more shelters. And can you round up all the shelters? So we actually sent them a list of uh, major markets in the U.S., and said, see if you can find a shelter in each one of these markets that wants to play along with us. We'll give them some content. We'll make some PSAs. Uh, you know, we'll give them some some things that they can email out to their constituents and and uh, allow them to sort of feature and have something to talk about, as well as some content they can make some videos for their own social posts with. Yeah. Um, so we we did this uh, similar to the to the Zoom call with the artists. We did a Zoom call with the shelters. Rounded up shelters, and uh, most of them came along pretty quickly. We we started off with around fifteen to twenty shelters nationally, who were who partnered with us and agreed to sort of push it out. Um, and when we launched on the site, we set up a platform that allows people to sort of geolocate, so they can type in their zip code, it picks the shelter closest to them. There isn't one of the participating shelters; it will still look shelter close to them. And when they donate it, all the money goes through that platform direct to that shelter. We don't take any money in at all. So yeah. oh, um, we just did it really ultimately to make people smile, try to do something good, uh, take people's mind off all the crazy news that there is, and yeah. just to see if we can make good news for once and see if it could, it could stick for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's so lovely because you, you're celebrating dogs. You're helping dogs you're getting people together you're empowering them it's such a positive project it's it's lovely and i mean can can other shelters sign up now how would they go about that well you know if if they wanted to do more and be featured on our site they just have to get in touch with us great uh you know right now they if they type in their own zip code they're going to see themselves show up because the way that the database works it picks up any any uh not-for-profit that would be in the shelter zone. So 
they're going to get picked up by it regardless, but they could still participate. They could still get, get to us for content. We can make PSAs. We took the Steve Rempis song, uh, Months Will Rule the World, yeah. and we turned that into a PSA. And then when you go to the homepage of the website, you can see that video playing on the website on just for fun, F-U-R-R fun.com. Yeah, great, great. And so if people, you know, listening today have loved the songs, and I have, I've loved what I've heard. It's been, you know, such, so good. And in particularly thinking about how you've, how you've put that together, how, um, how different from your usual way of working it is. So where would people go to if they want to download, you know, if they want to be part of this and listen and, and contribute, donate to the shelters, where do they need to go? So, right. So the site just for fun, F-U-R-R fun, um, has all the songs on there. There's the bios of the artists. You can learn about them. You can see where the shelters are. Um, but there's a place right there to put in um, your, if you're in the U.S., you put in your zip code. If you're in, the, if you're not in the U.S., I would say go to Spotify um, and look for us there. Uh, look for Rock and Roll Over um, and uh, pull it down and enjoy the tunes and and do some good vibes wherever you are. You know. Yeah, definitely. I, I love it. It's great, and and, and I hope it's um, Rock and Roll Over Volume One. I hope that's made clear that hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about we talked about a cat album, but we haven't figured out if cats rock or not. So we're not quite sure what to do with them. Oh, I, I think I think cats rock. It's just it's got to be more general. There's too many different types of cats. Yeah, know? you'd have to think about what do they rhyme with? You know, what does Siamese rhyme with? <laughs> yeah, and cats are cats are more like managers. You know, yes. they're a little they're a little you know slinkier and tougher, I guess. <laughs> yes. No, there's, I, there's I was no... gonna. I was thinking about this this morning. You're in the UK. Yep. And people, I mean, obviously you have shelters and rescues in the UK. Yeah. Um, Lordy and I are going to have to talk about a way of of having this go more international. Yeah, that would be great. You can, you can punch in a, a US zip code and donate to a shelter, um, but we have to figure a way of doing a, a UK. Yeah. And you probably have listeners in... France and Belgium and whatnot. Um, yeah, we have to figure out a way to do that. Yeah, that would be great because basically, if you think of a country, we've got people listening there. So yeah, I mean, hopefully yeah. we can help. Hope you know, yeah. hopefully we can help a lot yeah. of dogs. Yeah, that would be brilliant. That's great. Uh, and also, the other option for people, um, if you go to Just for Fun in a week or two, we're actually going to have hard copies of the CD. Yeah, we'll be able to order those. Brilliant. Um, you can either go to the artist till. Each artist is going to have a certain number of copies, but you can go to Just for Fun also and order copies of the CD. Yeah, yeah, it's great. If you have people that, that can't get, you know, that, that are overseas or whatnot that want a copy of it. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And I, I guess the thing is as well, you've also done so much good, so much, um, you know, that helped the well-being of the artists themselves because, you know, lockdown has been a bit of a it's messed with your head as much as anything, hasn't it? Cause you're just stuck at home, not doing very much. So what do you do? Well, it's, it's difficult because you can't play shows. Yeah. And the people that do play shows, there's a lot of limitation. And, you know, I, I, I was actually talking to a drummer friend of mine yesterday on the phone about it. And uh, he lives in another state and, you know, there are some people playing gigs in his state, but, you know, you also get into this thing where it's crazy. 
It's yes. like, okay, how much risk do I put myself in? And is it yeah. worth the risk? I mean, not to be blunt about it, but is it worth the risk of me playing a gig so you can have a beer and listen to music? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I know. It's, I mean, it's all, it's got to be put in, in context, hasn't it? And in, yeah. It's really, it's really difficult. And um, artists and musicians, I mean, actors, I mean, we have, yeah. I have a lot of friends who are actors and they can't work at all, period. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's really difficult. I mean, yes. I don't live yeah. in the UK or overseas. I live in the States. It's really bad here. I, I assume it's really bad there too for musicians. So. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the arts, theatre and the arts and, and musicians, you know, yes, it's been, it's hit them really, really horribly. It's been awful. Um, so, I think, uh, technology I mean, has helped but yeah the way we look at it is thank god nordy came along because at least we all got to do some work you know and everybody really loved it yes. and enjoyed it and it, it kind of it kind of it's weird it's kind of become a letdown for everybody that it's all done you know yes. it's like ah you know I mean, we want another project you know yeah so, well, yeah. we're, we're working on more and i think you know from from my standpoint the fact that we have all this captive talent ready and willing to just jump in and, and be creative you know what we're looking at now is you know what's the next sort of premise that would make another another piece of music or another album yeah what is the this is an animal related it's something else right. um but i think these guys all want to create and, and if i could figure out ways to help them do that um you know we're helping the artists out but if we can make people smile at the same time, that's really, I think, yeah, uh, the point. definitely. Goodness knows we need to smile at the moment. And saying that, you've both had your dogs with you today. Um, so can you can you tell me, perhaps Naughty first, you, you tell me about your dog um, who's with you. Yeah, so Doc is a Bernadoodle. Uh, he's four years old. He's a Bernese and a Poodle mix. I went to uh, Canada to pick him up. There was a, a breeder in Canada, so I went there. Uh, without my wife's permission, I have uh, two sons. Uh, one is one is uh, in the television industry, and the other one uh, is in the advertising business. And I came home, and my wife was, and I said, uh, "Well, we finally have a doctor in the family. This is doctor." And uh, it didn't really go over as a joke. Uh, totally, uh, it was a good uh, good start. I think she loves him now, but uh, yeah, how he became doc. And uh, so now we have a doctor at home. <laughs> I like it. That was a, that was a good line to bring him home with, and you know, try and soften yeah, the blow. That was good. Started. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. It's good for the first ten minutes. <laughs> well, you tried. You know, you got to. It, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. You know. <laughs> that was my strategy all the way. I, 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 stayed, I stuck with the plan. <laughs> Definitely. And and Steve, you've got your lovely dog with you as well. Can you tell me about I, him? Yeah, she's right down here. Um, her name is June, and she is uh, half um, blue tick hound and half wild, crazy fox piece. <laughs> um, uh, she's she's great. She's a year and a half. Um, we got her from some friends um, that are club owners here in Nashville, and uh, she travels with us. Um, my wife and partner, uh, Deborah, um, we, we, we love her. She's, she's amazing. Um, yeah. she's, you know, she likes to bark. We call her Thunderbark. 
um, which is how we know she has hound in her because she can rattle the window. Um, but uh, but she's great. She's yeah. actually. Oh, bless, yes. Hi, yeah. Hey, little baby. No, she really, she doesn't want to do any interviews, does she? Yeah, she's not being she's, featured. She's done with the interview thing. Um, she's been... I don't blame her. doing too many already, so she's, yeah. she's done. But, uh, but yeah, we, we travel with her, and she's got a big backyard to run around in here, so that's a, yeah. that's a good thing. And uh, she's just confused that we're home all the time. Yes. So. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yes. But I think she's digging it. Good, good. It's been such fun talking to both of you today. I'm, I'm so glad we got to have a chat about this project. It's been brilliant. Is there anything that you haven't had a chance to say yet that you really want to tell people about um, Rock and Roll Over? Well, I think if you really love your dog, um, you're really going to love these songs. And, and any dog, I think the personality of every dog comes through in the entirety of the work. Um, you know, we have the shepherd and the verse on that one is, I am a shepherd, I guard the perimeter. And the Terrier song, which is this kind of crazy rock in Chicago blues style, stops in the middle of the song and says, the mailman's come to kill us all. And, <laughs> and so there's something in all of them. You go, oh, that's my dog. I could see that. And, yeah. and I think if you listen to it in its entirety, it just puts you in a great mood. It just gives you the whole feeling of, the, of what dogs are. And they're just such an, an incredible creation. Yeah. And, uh, and I think everybody can sort of take some enjoyment from that. Yeah. They're just I magic, agree. It's, it's a lot of fun. It brings a smile to your face. But I will say that, you know, they're just really good songs. It's not like a novelty record at all. Um, when you listen to it, if you didn't really, well, you get the dog references in every song, but if you were just listening to it for the first time, you might not even realize that that it's that kind of record, you know? Yeah. It's, the songs are definitely just good songs. Yeah. You know? And that's that's really the great thing about it. It doesn't it doesn't come off as a novelty at all. Yeah. So I'm really dig it. Naughty and Steve were such fun. And wow, the rock and roll over music is amazing. And the initiative is helping people and dogs. So it was a real joy to feature this project. I love it. We have the link you need to listen to all the songs, which is Just Fur Fun. J-U-S-T-F-U-R-R-F-U-N dot com. And donate to help rescue dogs. And if you play the songs to your dog, we'd love to see their reaction. Or hear your suggestions for a rhyme for Lassa Apso. My fashion philosophy is, if you're not covered in dog hair, your life is empty. Elaine Boosler You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com August 26th, 2020 was International Dog Day. And in connection with that, Jason Forrest interviewed Joe Nutkins. Now, have you ever dreamed about teaching French to your French bulldog or German to your German shepherd? Or maybe you're struggling to communicate with a rescue dog. Help may be at hand. Joe Nutkins, main instructor at dog training, joins us now for a bit of a chat. Hello. Hello. 
So this all ties in with this week's International Dog Day. And it seems that uh, our pooches can actually speak different languages. What's going on? <laughs> they can indeed. Dogs are very clever. They like learning. Um, and they learn first and foremost through our body language. So we guide them or we lure them. And then we add our words to what we're teaching them. So from a dog's perspective, whether we're teaching them in English, German, Japanese, it, it doesn't really matter for them. As long as we're consistent and we're clear with what we're asking, um, they can learn potentially several different things and each one could be a different language or if you've taught your dog stuff already and you would like to teach them some different languages you can actually um, add a new cue so so after started teaching my dogs Japanese for example um, so it's it's tricks they can already do and I've added in the Japanese words to it so they can actually do it now on the English cue or the Japanese cue. So this is basically you showing off a bit for the fact that you uh, you can speak a couple of languages or at least know some good words. But there could be some fun to be had here because you could teach them to sit but actually say an entirely different word that means something different in English so everyone thinks your dog is either mad or misbehaving. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... You could literally use any word you want that you can possibly think of. You can you can make up your own word. You could talk to them in Klingon if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> as long as you show them what it is you want them to do, your dog's going to pair it um, with that action and, and pick it up. So, yeah, you can actually – there's a lot of words that um, sound like an English word but mean something different in a different language. That Yeah, if you say that word instead, your dog will go, okay, you want me to do this action. But to anyone else that speaks English would think, oh, that that dog's done something completely different. That's a weird way of teaching them. So Um, it sounds like a really good bit of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's it's no pressure. It's fun. It's lighthearted. Um, it's not um, you know working towards a, a sport or a competition or anything. So it just means that you can spend some extra time with your dog doing something um, and get a little kick out of it as well because you're learning a different language as well as your dogs are. <laughs> now, when you were appearing on Britain's Got Talent uh, last year, Merlin and Piper were obviously the stars of the show, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, was it not tempting to have something like this lined up for them or had you not already started your Rosetta Stone? learning Japanese course by then <laughs> I hadn't started teaching them Japanese at that point it's only been a few days so far um, so I'm not sure we've got a routine um, quite enough of Britain's Got Talent yet for that but but watch this space um, but then Britain's Got Talent specifically wanted us to do doggy dancing which is why we did our dancing routine although when I say dancing that's not myself that was the dogs doing the dancing I, I was just helping lure them you have to have the moves they must have got it from somewhere <laughs> Well, I, I think Merlin's Merlin's uh, backward moonwalking and uh, going under my legs is much better at doing that than I could do it with someone, definitely. <laughs> so you, say you, you are picking up a few words of Japanese. Are you now going on a Rosetta Stone course to learn the whole language so you can pick up uh, what you need to do if you've ever fancied a trip to Japan? it's something actually I am considering doing Um, I chose Japanese um, out of the 10 languages that they've got on their um, language tool specifically because my brother has been learning Japanese for the last couple of years Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought it might be quite nice because it's just a way we can connect a bit more because he he doesn't live locally Um, so he could then have a listen and and watch a video and and give me feedback on my pronunciation so yeah if if I then did some Japanese with Rosetta Stone uh, myself that's just another thing that myself my brother can be bonded with your family zoom quizzes are going to get very interesting aren't they <laughs> with dogs doing weird tricks in the background you are shouting at each other in japanese and the, and the, the rest of the family looking on going what's happening here 
in fairness, that sounds like a normal Zoom family chat for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a chaos by the sounds of things. And obviously, it, it, it's, it's, it is good fun. And learning a foreign language can be uh, so rewarding. And if you have got a pet passport and you're heading off to Europe and you're taking your four-legged friend when things are a little calmer, then actually uh, it's, it's going to be great if you, if you all speak the foreign language because maybe your French bulldog could converse in French with someone, uh, the French dog. Absolutely. Hopefully they get the accent just right as well as they're conversing. <laughs> That's the bit I struggle with. Being in the Midlands, if I try and speak French, je voudrais, that doesn't work really, does it, to be fair? Uh, But I'm I'm sure with Rosetta Stone I could actually polish that and turn it into something that sounds sensible, couldn't I? I reckon. I'm sure they could do something with that, definitely. They could sort me out, which is what counts. So... uh, we're having fun with this one obviously dogs being multilingual i love the idea of that first of all where can we see you and your dancing dogs um so you can you can see me on my um, dog training facebook page which is dog training for essex and suffolk um but if you're you want to see the dogs doing their dancing skills um then you could always look the dogs up as well they've got their own facebook pages which of course every every uh, performing dog should have so you've got merlin nutkins and you've also got the ripley chronicles which are their facebook pages and they've got lots of videos and bits and pieces on there um and then if you want to take it further and actually teach your dogs um, a new language you can then go to rosettastone.co.uk forward slash dog day and then once you get onto there you can choose your language from the 10 that are there and then you literally scroll through a series of different exercises and tricks and choose one that you like the look of and there's a little icon showing you what it looks like and then you can listen to the um, pronunciation of the, of the word and go from there learn learn you know learn a new language yourself teach your dog the language at the same time it sounds like it's going to be incredible fun your christmas party <laughs> this year is going to be amazing and meanwhile the i'm sure the whole family are happy be getting up to all sorts of tricks now the next thing is to train your brother to do things when you say them in japanese as well <laughs> i think i think i can do that definitely that's my next project I, you go for <laughs> it I can, Just... teach him, I can teach my husband <laughs> <laughs> yeah get, the, get everybody trained that's the way Nutkins, yeah. <laughs> thank you for joining us thank you very much a really fun interview there with some important points about dogs and language too all the links mentioned are on the dogcast radio site Jason Forrest has worked for a number of radio stations, including BBC WM, and has a podcast, The Milk Bar, all of which you can find out more about at jasonforrest.com. And on the subject of dogs and languages, do check out episode 29 of Dogcast Radio, in which Graham Sims talks about working up to eight dogs, each in a different language. Dogs have a way of finding the people who need them. Filling an emptiness we don't even know we have. Tom Jones We now have a fantastic and fun interview with Annie Grossman in which we're going to discuss, amongst other things, raising a puppy in quarantine. Annie is the co-founder and owner of School for the Dogs, a dog training centre in the East Village in Manhattan, New York, and also has a podcast called School for the Dogs. Well, it's, it's, it's actually funny because it started out as 10 years ago hmm. as a blog called The Dogs yeah. that I was writing. My, my career before I became a dog trainer was um, as a writer. I was a journalist and mm-hmm. I switched careers, decided I was going to become a dog trainer. But kind of before I really dove in, I was like, maybe I could be writing about dog training and that would be a good way to sort of marry my, my interests and... Um, have an expertise, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so I had a blog called The Dogs. And then um, 
I met uh, Kate Sinisi, who ended up becoming my my partner, um, and she was also uh, switching careers. She had been working in graphic design for many years, and and was sort of also trying to like figure out how to, you know, how do we actually make a living as a dog trainer? So we ended up um, starting to uh, work work together, and you know, she had. She had her own business, Kate, you know, I think it was called Kate Sinisi Dog Training, and I had this blog called The Dogs, and it's like, well, we have to call ourselves something, and so, and calling it The Dogs seemed, uh, I mean, the, the blog had a little bit of a following, I mean, not a, but, I mean, nothing huge, but calling it The Dogs seemed, like, confusing, like, people won't know what it is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, what I liked about the name The Dogs was it was, like, just so no-nonsense, like, there's so many punny names when it comes to dog businesses, you know, like, yeah perfect this and that. And I, I just like, like the clarity and whatever of the dogs, but we decided to call it school for the dogs to like be a little bit more descriptive about what we were going to do and separate it from the actual blog. And then a few years after that, we just, we started an online store and hmm. it felt weird. It felt weird to call that like school for the dog. Cause it was like a store, not a school. So then we called it store for the dogs. So Maybe there will be future, but then, but then we started the podcast and that could have been, I guess, podcast for the dogs, but it's really, it's really more for humans. So that's just school for the dogs podcast. (laughs) Well, dogs have trouble putting the headphones on, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so school for the dogs is a dog training center uh, in the East village in Manhattan. We have a two story storefront location uh, on East seventh street. And we've, uh, we've been, in one way or another, had some sort of training center in the East Village for, gosh, something like uh, seven or eight years. And we preach the gospel of science-based, reward-based, positive reinforcement-based dog training, whatever you want to call it. I usually call it good dog training. Yeah. Um, You know, it's good because it works. It's good because it's fun for humans. It's good because it's fun for dogs. Um, and we go into people's homes, we help them in their homes. Um, but I think what really sets us apart from most other dog trainers in New York city is that we have this, um, you know, fairly large facility, um, where we can have classes, we have puppy play times, Hmm. we have, uh, we run kind of like a private dog run, or I guess you could call it like an adult dog play time, but it's Hmm. like people have to, um, sign up in advance. Everyone has to be approved. There's a trainer there the whole time um, to monitor everything that's going on, which is not something, you know, one would ever get at a regular dog park where people don't want to, people don't want to hear each other's um, (laughs) opinions, but because, you know, they're paying to be there and there's this, you know, trainer there. um, It's, it's really, it's really, I think that part of the business has really helped form uh, a wonderful community Mm -hmm. of, of uh, dog owners who are, committed to giving their dogs the best possible life in, in an urban environment. And then um, we, we also, uh, we also have um, people training with us now uh, really all over the world, um, which has just sort of, I, I feel like been uh, sort of like the good, a a spread of a spread that's been caused both by, um, you know, technology, but also I think our, our desire to reach as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, and 
I, I feel like we're really a mission driven business. Like our, you know, our mission is to like help as many dogs and people as possible. Yeah. Perfect. And, um, and I love it. And I think what I really love about dog training is, I mean, of, of, I mean, there's so many things to, to love about just for me, like spending time with my dog. Yes. Um, but uh, I, my, my true passion is I think helping people like just live better lives in general by understanding behavior through working with their dogs. Because for me, like it was so transformative, like learning about dog training was like learning about the world in a way that makes sense. And it's been such a gift to, and and it affects everything I do, whether it's, you know, like I was talking about, um, thinking about how I'm spending time with my daughter. Yeah. Thinking about, um, how, you know, it's, 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 I, I, you know, behavior is everywhere. It's all the time. And, um, I think I, I love helping people see how working with a dog is like having your own little like laboratory where you can, (laughs) Yes, see, you've got to be see a how things work. Good scientist, yeah, <laughs> you've got to be a good scientist. scientist. But it is, it's it's sort of I, I relate to so much that you've said because I can remember with my Labrador, yeah, you know, I was new to dog ownership and 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 I loved him to bits, but I wanted to be, you know, I had that in my mind in my heart. I had the best dog in the world. You know, I had to try to be the best owner, at least for him. Not in the world, maybe, but at least for him. And I can remember that a, a real turning point for me was he got in the car. And he got on the passenger seat and I was sort of saying, come on, get down, get down. And he was just turning his head away like this. And I'm thinking, he's pretending he, and I interpret it as he's pretending he can't hear me. And he's thinking, if you know, if I can't, if I, you think I can't hear you, I don't have to do the, you know, the, follow the instruction. And I was saying this to Gwen Bailey, actually a dog trainer. And, um, and she said, well, you're stressing him. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so we chatted some more and that just turned, really opened the door for me. Cause I was sort of like, the last thing in the world I want to do is this beautiful dog. I don't want to stress mm. him. I want to be, you know, someone he loves and comes to for, you know, reassurance and, and mm-hmm. happiness. So that mm-hmm. really opened the door for me. And then, I, you know, it, as you say, it becomes a passion because you go, I want to share this knowledge and this mm-hmm. harmony with every dog and every owner. So, mm-hmm. and then life becomes wonderful, doesn't it? Right. And it's hard to keep it in. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to be like, I'm only going to give you this information if you pay me. I mean, the thing is, it's like we have a we have to run a business. Yes, like we can't yeah. just like give everything away. But um, but I don't know. We do give a lot away. I mean, I think a lot of podcasting is people giving things away. And, yes, um, and that's you know a good thing. There there are many currencies in life other than money. I like to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely with dogs, and. And we're going to talk about today, raising a puppy in quarantine. Yeah, in quarantine. Well, yes, because it seems such a challenge. I mean, I'm I'm at a point where I'm emotionally ready for another dog. I lost my dog in 2018. Um, Mm. And it's taken a long time to sort of think, yeah, I could actually be happy. You know, the... There are still days when I cry really raw tears for this, for for Buddy. But yeah, I'm ready. I need another dog in my Mm. life, but not for me, for me. Not at the moment, you know, because of the challenge of of, mm. of trying to socialize and eat, and even get a puppy. So, but raising a puppy in quarantine is a real, mm. real challenge, isn't it? You know, um, I think it's a challenge, but I also think it's a blessing. I mean, mm. 
people are getting dogs right now in record numbers from, yes. from what I understand and mm-hmm. from at least, you know, anecdotally, it seems like that. Yeah. And why are people getting dogs? I think there's two main reasons. One, people are home and yes. it's, you know, a big reason why people don't get puppies, uh, puppies especially, is because they say, well, it's not going to be fair to the dog. I'm not going to be home enough but now people are home and can really you know take the time to tend to the puppy you know as much as I'll say every day (laughs) for some people um you know also people are underemployed and so they have more time something to do and kind of awesome that they would choose to bring a dog into their home rather than just play video games all day um uh which I mean nothing against video games it's just you know it's like if you're if you can Especially like if you're going to a shelter and giving a dog a home who wouldn't have yeah. a home all day, like that's noble work. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think the other big reason people are getting puppies right now um, is because puppies are like the opposite of death. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a uh, you good know, pup- <laughs> puppies make you feel good. Yeah. Puppies are fun. They give you a reason to get out of bed. They, you know, take your the focus off of yourself. Yeah. They can help you be in the moment. Um, it feels good to take care of something, someone. Yeah, uh, that's a, a lot really of the good time. <laughs> the opposite of death. I've never thought of it like that, but yeah, you're yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's a big reason. So, um, but it does present big challenges. I think the, you know, the two biggest challenges. One there's so much uncertainty in the world right now that we don't know, we don't know what our life is going to be like, you know, Mm -hmm. chances are you're probably still asking yourself if you've just gotten a puppy, like in six months, am I going to be working at an office again? Am I going to be working in the same job? Am I going to have a job? Am I going to be, you know, where, where am I going to be? I mean, the amount of people who I know who have moved in the last six months is huge. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. oh, yes. whether yeah. they've moved to a different state or a different, you know, area or a different country, like, um, so I think with that, all, all of the uncertainty, it can be hard to know how you can like prepare the dog, your dog for the world that, you know, he is or she is going to be living in, mm-hmm. in the future. Um, the other big challenge is that the, the kind of stuff that, is important for a puppy socialization wise, for instance, hugely important that puppies play with other puppies. Yeah. I think, um, especially what I'm a big fan of one-on-one play Mm. and, and, uh, really, really, you know, nice pairings of dogs. I think dogs need that every day. I think puppies need some playtime every day, even like 15 minutes of puppy playtime every day. And if you're social distancing, if you're home alone, especially if you live in a remote area, I, I don't know how you can give that to your puppy. And the people I know who have puppies are really putting in work to try and arrange those playtimes. We've been doing a lot of puppy matchmaking at School for the Dogs, yeah. trying to help people um, find ways to find other puppy owners who are near them so they don't have to, you know, take public transport because of course in New York City a lot of people don't have cars. People who can meet in outdoor spaces and do that safely. Yeah. People who can sort of commit to being each other's 
puppy puppy play buddy so that you know they they can form their own kind of pod uh and um so i i think that where wherever you are you really need to be clever about finding other puppies and really commit to getting that that for your dog uh every day the other stuff that we try and get people to focus on as far as socialization goes you know i actually think a lot of that can be done during quarantine because a lot of it can be done in your home. You know, thanks to like YouTube, you can play your dog different sounds. You can Mm -hmm. play your dog, you know, the sound of skateboards and whatever fireworks. Um, And, you know, you can introduce their dog to, you know, weird objects in your home. Um, There are a lot of things you can do in your home that can help sort of acclimate your dog to the larger world in an environment where ideally they are already feeling comfortable um i I didn't did i answer your question yeah Yeah. not totally yet because we still got more time (laughs) but yeah it is i think that's the thing though Mm. taking on a dog at any time is a challenge isn't it because it's going to be there's going to be times when you go what earth did i do i can remember when i get but what when i got buddy and the toilet training 10 days in i'd waited for this dog my whole life and i was like what have i done i'm just walking around with a cloth in one hand and a spray in the other always constantly watching this dog whether he's gonna wee or poo and you know and that's what's life gonna be forever um so i think any i always say there's always a what have i done moment when you get a dog <laughs> in it ever but it's you need much more as you say commitment at the moment to okay if you're going to have a dog if you're going to have a puppy particularly you need to commit to that dog still needs this all the socialization and all the experiences that a puppy or a dog needs at any point you've got to commit to do that now somehow and yes you need to think around it and be, and be clever but they still need those experiences don't they they still need those experiences and like i said you're you're being you're facing the unknowable, which is the future. I mean, the future is always unknowable, but <laughs> like, like for instance, you you ideally need to work on teaching your puppy to be alone, right? Even yes. though right now your puppy yeah. never has to be alone, <laughs> there there may be times in the future where your puppy will have to be alone. But but you could also say like, what a luxury that we we can all be pretty certain at least for the next month or so things are probably going to stay roughly as they are. So you know. You have time to uh, to to shape that behavior. Teach yeah. your dog. You know, the world the world is okay when you know even when I'm not within sight. Then yes. you can build that behavior from you know I'm going to go in the other room behind this door for one second to I'm going to you know go outside for an hour. Yeah. But you have the time to to build you know with small approximations towards being home all day until the walker comes, you know, one, one, um, uh, on, on my podcast, if I spoke a few months ago to, um, Milena DiMartini, who is like a specialist in working with dogs who have separation anxiety. And she gave a very basic piece of advice, which I thought was good, which is line up services now for later, because, if suddenly everything opens up all at once and you now realize you need a dog walker, you know, you, you will get priority if you contacted that dog walker early rather than trying to, you know, find one um, at the last minute. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't, of course it doesn't have to be uh, a, 
professional walker, especially with a lot of people unemployed right now, it could be a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And that too gives you time to help your dog get used to that person while you're around. So that, you know, like the first time the dog walker comes in, it's not when the, it's not also the first time the dog's been alone. Yeah. And also the first time the dog's been in a crate, you know, you have the opportunity to say, you know, gosh, I have this neighbor who's into my dog. Why don't we start, you know, going for walks together a few times a week or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, so I, I do think as far as uh, shaping all of these kinds of behaviors, um, we, we, we have the, the opportunity right now to do that at, at, at a nice pace in, in, um, in many cases. Yeah. Yeah. But you think it's, it's sort of, it's not, um, it, I mean, obviously I would imagine quarantine mm-hmm. is, a, is a drawback to socializing a puppy, but, mm-hmm. but then again, there are so many argument arguments about socialization and how's the right way to do it. And is it to, to sort of let them play or is it to control it? You know, is it given as a reward, you know, kind of, you know, I've heard lots of. I, different yeah. I, I think about socialization. Well, I mean, hmm. Puppy play is, like I said, I, I think really important. There are, they, they need to get their energy out in that, in with other dogs. Like that's the way, you know, there's a reason, one of the reasons I think that they've come in litters is <laughs> to be able to tire each other out. And I think they learn from each other in, in a way that we can't, you know, necessarily uh, mimic where yes. I think they know we're not dogs i have actually suggested like if you really cannot figure out a way to get another puppy into your dog's world for some small amount of time and every day and you don't you know there are adult dogs who are very good with puppies so Mm -hmm. you know that's like a a, maybe a second best is if you know an adult dog who who is a good sort of uh uncle (laughs) or aunt like okay, but not every adult dog is going to be okay with a puppy. If you can't do any of those things, then the very least, like I want you to like spend an hour on YouTube looking up mama dogs with their puppies and like watch how they're playing with those puppies because you need to get down on the floor and be a freaking puppy, which is not something I normally would suggest uh, to anyone because like I said, I don't think that they think we're really puppies. Like I I don't think they think we're dogs, but like if that's the best that you can do, then, yeah. <laughs> then I want you to go for it. And you know, that's what is that going to look like? It's going to look like a lot of back and forth, um, you know, uh, elbows down on the ground, butt up in the air. You know, just hope, hope um, <laughs> nobody walks in on you while you're doing this. Um, yeah, but then uh, the other side of things is, you know, how uh, socialization is the process of helping a dog make good associations with all the things that they are going to, you know, be Mm. encountering in their world. And, you know, the word socialization and the word association have the same root, right? And it's because it's about, it's, it's the same thing. How can we help them connect one thing with another thing? And yeah, a lot of that's about giving them treats. I, I really think that people should a hundred percent of the time be thinking about what associations a dog is making. And I'm not just talking about puppies, but all dogs before they start thinking about training specific behaviors, because so many of the behaviors we don't like stem from fear. Hmm. So many behaviors. And why are dogs fearful? Because something is unknown, something's scary, or they've made a bad association with something in the past. And with a puppy, it's like, 
the filing cabinet of their brains are just like wide open. So it's really, you know, that's the moment if, if you're lucky enough to have, you know, puppy, especially like in that sort of like eight week to 12 week window, like that's the moment where you want to get them to feel good about all the things um, that, that, you know, could potentially be scary or, or might not present themselves until, you know, way later at which point your puppy's going to be like hold on this was not in the blueprint you know yes yeah that I was presented with (laughs) yes so and and the good news is it's easy because you are controlling everything or not everything but most of the things your dog likes in the world you're controlling where they where they sleep where they you know where they spend time how they play who they play with what they eat so it's really just a matter of starting to connect those two things introducing your dog to something and then pairing that with one of those good things that your dog likes play or food or whatever. And there's no, like, there doesn't have to be any command. There doesn't have to be any kind of, um, you know, there doesn't have to be a clicker. You're not pinpointing a specific behavior. You're just teaching your dog to feel good about something. And, you know, like for example, most dogs like being in the kitchen because that's where they eat their food every day. They have lots of good associations with being in the kitchen. Like you didn't do the work. You didn't have to put in a lot of work to make that happen. Yeah. You just fed your dog in the kitchen every day, right? Yeah. Like most of the time, if, if, if a dog is really into one person in the household and not into the other people, most of the time, if you ask like who feeds the dog, well, guess what? <laughs> that person, yeah, I would like them if they fed me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why does your dog pull into certain stores? Because they get a treat in, in those stores, right? It yeah. doesn't matter if your dog goes in and sits or rolls over or what does some specific trick trick. No, they're just giving the dog a treat. So that's why the dog likes being in those stores. Like that is socialization. It's, uh, it's, it's easy then to start. I, I think it can be easy to like start to look around and say like, Oh, okay, well maybe today rather than feeding my dog in the kitchen, I could go sit on a park bench. Mm. Right. That, and, and now and now I'm doing dog training <laughs> rather than, you know, feeding, having rather than me feeding the dog. Why don't I see if like uh, the teenager next door mm. wants to feed him this meal? Because, you know, then he's going to be associating the teenager next door with this this meal and everything, everything about the teenager next door, like all of those things, like we're putting money in all of those bank accounts, the bank account that like, you know, the person with a baseball cap is a good person, the bank account that someone who you know, smells like Fahrenheit or, <laughs> or whatever, you know, the, yeah. the bank account that this bearded person is good. Like you're not going to be able to present your dog with like every variation of hat. Right. And yeah. create, every, but, but the more things that you introduce your dog to, the more that your dog is going to be like, Oh, you know, like I've seen a lot of things that are kind of like that. So that hat is probably kind of fine. You know, yes. that's how I think about it. I, the other way I think about socialization is like socialization is like the very beginning. I, I you know, I, I like to refer to it as like criteria zero. Like we should always be starting out with like zero criteria. Like if you're trying to create an association, you're trying to teach your dog the mop is okay. Mm. I don't care what the dog is doing when the dog is near the mop. Like I just like, it's a dog existing. Yes. You get a treat. Like the behavior that's required is like to exist. Yeah, that's- <laughs> <laughs> to not be dead. Is the dog not dead? Yes the dog gets a treat like that. Like in my opinion, like every, every behavior should start there. I I say that in my puppy kindergarten classes all the time when dogs, um, people come with their pup to puppy kindergarten and they have this idea this like Norman Rockwell idea of like what the dog should look like first day of puppy kindergarten should be sitting, paying attention. I'm like, no, just like, are you here? Give your dog a treat. (laughs) 
something <laughs> because like I want your dog to feel good about like being in a room with other people, with other yeah. dogs in this new space. I want your dog to feel good about, you know, the subway ride you had to take to get here and being in a bag. Like there are so many things we've asked this dog. Yes. That like, let's start out with now rewarding him for being cute. You know, mm. that's enough. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And then once you have a dog who's feeling good about all those things, um, you know, then you can start to raise your criteria. And that's where like dog training, the way most people think of it, I think starts. It's like, is the dog sitting? Yes. Now the dog gets a treat. Is the dog, you know, not jumping? Yes. Now the dog gets a treat. It's that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And yeah. which could go all the way up to like, is the dog identifying the, you know, the drugs in the suitcase? Yes. Right. It's, it's yeah. just, a, it's just um, taking that same, um, paradigm to to the highest level yeah yeah but I love that because you know I imagine that the human perception of things and the the dog's perception of things are are sometimes very different because as you said before you even get them to that class they've had to go through a, a number of steps that may be familiar or may not and and you know may 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 have had stressful associations so for example we always start our um puppies off with with collars with with a treat every time the collar comes out it's a treat oh and our, our dogs go nuts for their collars they're just like wow wow yeah 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 let me put the collar on you know every time even way after we stop treating them every time and it's just like whoa whoa yeah I, I love that color because good things happen you know and so right from the word go if you start looking at things what's a new experience what you know what is an experience that you know going in the car for example can be incredibly stressful and for example I remember going back to Buddy's puppyhood he he threw up in the boot, not because he he was not enjoying the traveling or the traveling was affecting him, because he was on his own. And mm-hmm. I guess it was a new experience. And once he was on somebody's lap, he was like, or even on the seat next to somebody, he was like, okay, I have a person. Put him in the boot on his own for a while. And he was like, whoa, in the trunk. You know, I mean, he wasn't shutting, you know, it was the back of the car. He wasn't shutting a, <laughs> a trunk light. But do you know what I mean? It was just that fact that he was on his own. So look at it and sort of think, what is the problem here? What is the is is causing them stress here? But you definitely try and see it from their point of view. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way. Right. right, and we can't always see it from their point of view, but we can. You know, another thing that I I think this is a good moment to do is to like start educating yourself a little bit on dog body language because you know people try and do like read their dog's minds left and right and. Yes. And, you know, she, she, she really knows this. She's just being stubborn. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, he fails I mean, people, if you look at him. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I like to point out, like, we can't read each other's minds. Yes. Like, so, um, I mean, at least most of us can't. <laughs> uh, we can't read each other's minds with much accuracy. So, like, let's, let's just assume we can't read dog minds based on that. And, but that doesn't mean we can't like make some really good educated guesses about how they're feeling based on what they are showing us. And they are communicating with us all the time with um, body language, which uh, I think the, you know, another sort of nice uh, uh, benefit of dog training is that if you're just spending time at your, with your dog, looking at your dog a lot, I think without even thinking about it, you're just going to start to notice like, you know, I, I think he kind of like backs up when he's feeling anxious or like lifts a paw or, you know, yeah. uh, um, or, you know, like, oh, notice how when he's really relaxed, he like turns his right paw in like my dog does that, you know, like mm. just by spending time with your dog, you're going to start to to 
to learn what they do when they seem to feel a certain way. But um, there are a few key things that dogs do to tell us that they're stressed most of the time um, that uh, I think people can tune into. And so if you're showing your dog you know, go back to the mop or the vacuum cleaner. A lot of dogs are scared of vacuum cleaners. Like if you're not sure, like see what the dog does around it. Are they showing, you know, behaviors that might indicate stress? Um, you know, like a lip licking is a, is a common one that pretty much every dog does when they're a little bit anxious. Um, that's something that to look out for. Oh, you know what? I, he, he just licked his, his lip. I didn't just give him a mouthful of peanut butter. He's not swallowing a treat, but like, look at that. You know, like, oh, you know, that little kid came in the room and he licked his lip. Maybe he feels uncomfortable with that little kid or um, side eye, sometimes called whale eye is another common thing to look for. Usually dogs will get like really stiff and then kind of like um, look all the way to one side and show the whites of their eyes. I always Mm. think of it. They're like, if I only move my eyes, nobody can tell I'm here. (laughs) Um, A lot of things dogs will do before they get to the point of, you know, growling, barking, snapping, yes. like things where they're making it louder. There are these sort of ways in which a dog can whisper these things. Mm. Um, and learning to pay attention to those things, I think, can help with the socialization process and help you think about like where you need to make a little bit more effort. You know, maybe, yeah. you, maybe, maybe your dog is particularly sound sensitive. Maybe your dog is particularly sensitive to, you know, sudden movements. Um, you know, one, I just occurred to me, like one thing that, uh, I mean, there's, there's so many reasons I think that dogs are probably psyched about um, quarantine mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because like they get to spend a lot more time with their people in a lot of cases, but also um, in a lot of people's life, there's a lot more regularity than there probably normally is. Yes. And that is something that dogs um, enjoy in, I think, you know, is like per- the predictability of you know, this happens and this happens and this happens. And yeah. with all of us living in a kind of groundhog day, um, certainly I'm sure anxious dogs out there are feeling uh, soothed by by the, the, just the, the, the sheer predictability of, yeah. of our lives right now, day to day. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right, yeah. Because thinking about it, we, I, I, for me, I don't like routine. And I, I strive to sort of say, well, I don't want to keep doing that. Um, just because I don't want to get into a routine. But I have to say, <laughs> during lockdown, um, you, you naturally, your natural rhythms come out and you, you're you not dancing to anybody else's tune. Well, depending on your situation, you're not dancing to, to anybody else's tune. You're, you know, I've been working from home totally rather than going out at all. And and you just, your sleep rhythm and your, your just your body rhythm of when you want to eat, when you just comes to the front. So yes, I have fallen into much more of a predictable rhythm. So for the, from the dog's point of view, yeah, she's thinking it's great. I know when, about when you're going to eat and I know about when you're going to come downstairs and yeah, I, I can, you know, be, be waiting. I can be ready. So yeah, I, th- I think in some ways it's been, I think possibly it was a big adjustment originally, you know, in the, in the initial stages of lockdown, like, wow, you're at home all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing here? Yes, yes. I need to watch my stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think, yeah, over time it's like, wow, this is great. And then now there are going to be problems. <laughs> I mean, do you think, I mean, what's the best thing for people to do? If they've got a, if they've had a puppy during quarantine or during lockdown and they're, um, you know, they, they feel like they're coping okay. You know, what what is the best way to to get help for, you know, to forestall any problems? Or if they have a problem, what's the way forward? Because there is help out there, but what's, what's the best thing to do, do you think? 
Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say something sarcastic. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like at looking <laughs> Yahoo messages. <laughs> yeah, ask on Facebook. <laughs> no, I mean the truth is, like, I think there are so many great resources out there online right now. If you know where to look, um, mm-hmm. or things that are free or really don't cost very much. Um, I mean. I mean, also just like some books that that I certainly recommend to a lot of new dog owners. Um, Culture Clash is a great one. Um, Don't Shoot the Dog by Karen Pryor and her more recent book, Reading the Animal Minds. Those are all kinds of like big picture how to think about dog training books. Um, certainly not a not a big investment. Um, and uh, I uh, and then there's also like sort of like some new puppy books. Um, there's a Sophia Sophia Yin book, um, Perfect Puppy in Seven Days, that I recommend all the time, and the Puppy Primer is another book. Um, there are actually, there are some like pretty good like Reddit forums too. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of dog trainers are doing online training right now. Um, where where we've been working with people all over the world, um, both in, uh, you know, doing like private lessons and doing group classes. And, um, that's been really exciting for us because like, oh, now we have people in India taking our classes, like, you know, doing it like live with us, some of these classes. And like, that's, that's cool. Um, you know, to have people like all over the country, all over the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, I, I'm, I'm excited about the online world with dog training because, you know, I, I think TV never quite got it right. You know, dog, dog training on television. First we had, uh, did you know Barbara Woodhouse? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. She's like, uh, she was this trainer in, on the BBC in the early 1980s, late 70s, and um, and was basically just like jerking dogs around and yelling at people, and people loved it because it was sort of like, yeah, I, people... I guess it was like the kind of nanny 911 situation where people like this old British lady yelling at people. <laughs> I don't even know. But I, I like she went, she went and breathed. Uh, she did this thing. Of, she knew every animal. She would, was, this is how you meet a cow. This is how you meet a horse. Oh my God. Really? I have to look that up. That's hilarious. Kind of, she, you breathe up their, their nose and then they can, they know it's you. And it's kind of, wow. How Seriously? She, yeah. How she lived to be so old? I don't know. <laughs> wow. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of the day is look up Barbara Woodhouse videos. Well, I have seen videos where like, in, in her books and stuff, she suggests like if you know a, if someone's if a dog is chasing a car, like or, or if a dog is chasing the bike, like bring a bucket of water with you on the bike ride and like dump it on the dog as the dog is running. Like there's videos of this. Anyway, so we went from like yeah. that absolute craziness to Caesar Milan, which is you know. You know what? His craziness is like even weirder to me because like she was at least suggesting things that I could imagine working. I mean, I wouldn't suggest anybody like take a bucket of water with them on a bike ride to get their dog to stop. I mean, it's like, I mean, for a million reasons, I don't think it's a good idea. But the stuff that Cesar Milan suggests, so much of it is so much more like um, sort of weirdly new agey. Like, you know, you need to fix your energy and like you need to be like a more together person which is like where like I'm I always think like okay well what's the action step there like Claire you're saying like I need to do like 10 years of therapy and like then my dog will um so anyway I think I think TV has sort of failed as far as I mean uh, Victoria Stillwell had a had a show or 
um, but never really reached the Barbara Woodhouse, uh, Caesar Milan highs. And um, so it's dangerous, isn't it? Because the television is such a platform and people who have a dog, but perhaps don't know much about the dog yet, you know, which, you know, when I first had Buddy, there was a lot of dodgy advice around and you know, since then you you learn and you improve and you you find new you read and you find new things and you, um, but like certain people in your life, I'm not going to name name names here, but certain people in your life sort of say to you, oh, you you know you know season land, I've watched him, I know about dogs now. You go, no, you really don't. Oh no, yeah. no, yeah. I you got let's sort this out (laughs) I like to tell people like look dog training is an application of behavioral science and it should make sense yes so like I I I like to feel like when I'm talking to a client like I want the takeaway to be like oh yeah like I get that you know (laughs) I don't want the takeaway to be like wow this is only going to work when Annie's in the room with us or like Annie really has like magical powers I and but yeah, as soon as someone has a TV show or a platform, or then um, then they have a, a certain. I, I was I, I interviewed recently for my podcast um, Dr. Mark Beckoff, who's an ethologist, and he's written like a million books on dogs uh, and different kinds of animal behaviors. He's and he's like he knows what he talk talking about. But like three times when we were talking, he was like, "Well, I'm not a dog trainer, so I can't say this, or I'm not a dog trainer, I can't say that." And I finally, I was like, "Okay, like you don't have like a plaque on your wall that says dog trainer. Like maybe you never took like the certification council for professional dog trainers like exam. But you know, if Caesar Milan can call himself a dog trainer, yeah. you know, like you don't need to have." some sort of like dog trainer stamp of approval from the public in order to understand how to train dogs. I mean, there, and there are plenty of people who have like, you know, there, there are people like me who like learned how to do this. And, and now I understand what's like, I understand like how operant conditioning works. I understand how classical conditioning works and, and I can see, I understand how to shape behaviors, but then there's other people, you know, for, I would say like, probably millions of years um, or thousands of, I guess tens of thousands of years, let's say maybe not millions who, who were probably just really good dog trainers without knowing, you know, no one ever taught them. They pro- there were probably people who used, you know, humane methods yeah. who didn't, didn't know about, about, you know, the words that we now use and the, the things we call these things, but had a, but knew them innately. And, um, and, uh, I mean, you see that, see that, uh, all, all the time, you know, people, people, what does it mean to be really good with dogs? I think to be naturally really good at, with dogs, I think it means that for whatever reason, either by luck or by instinct or whatever, you, you have an understanding of like how to communicate non-verbally with these animals on, in a way that is going to endear them to you and vice versa yeah yeah i think as well maybe an, an openness because it's very easy once you've trained one dog to go i've got it now i know what dogs <laughs> think I, you know. yeah and then the next one you go oh flipping hey this one thinks differently now i've got i mean yeah. very simply with with buddy if i wanted him to do a stay mm. from a distance it would have to be a frown and a hand and a, i'm not i'm young i mean this mate stay whereas we had a border collie where if i did that he would run towards me and go what have i done what have i done wrong <laughs> it had to be, had to be a big smile, and, and alternating that with the thumbs up, and it was like, they, 
they are all individuals. They are individuals above all else. You know, I, I, I go crazy about, um, about like too much generalizations about breeds because yeah. Okay. Maybe, you know, you could make some like large generalizations like greyhounds, greyhounds will run faster than dachshunds. Like, okay. (laughs) I will give you that one. But I mean, like, but that's, you know, a physical thing. Like, but, but even physically, mentally, like in every single way, no two dogs are exactly alike. And, um, and couple that with the fact that like no two animals are going to be raised in the exact same environment with all the exact same inputs. So, I mean, just think about a family, like you have five kids and each kid is completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you've, you know, you plant five, five seeds from one apple, you get five different apple trees. Like every, I don't care if they're, if they're brothers from the same litter, you know, no two dogs are going to be exactly alike. And that's part of what's fun about getting to know your dog is to figure out like who your dog, who your dog is. You know, I, I eat meat, but I, I am, I feel like it's, I I wish I didn't. I feel like I I would be uh, a a morally ethically better person if I didn't, didn't eat meat, but you know, that's another conversation, but, um, but I think God, you know, if I hung out with cows, probably I'd feel the same way about cows. Like every single cow is its own, it's its own thing. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Because we had, for example, we had rabbits. And at one point we had them in a hutch. And then when we could, we let them mm-hmm. run around the, the laundry and they had the whole room to themselves. And they were so much more when you actually had that chance to interact with them and see them more mm-hmm. with you. and you're like oh my goodness and they had their own little personalities and quirks which I won't go to now because I'm like <laughs> but they, they had their own little personality I think you're right whatever animal you got close to you go oh, they're all they're all different they have their own personalities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right yeah and yeah. um, it's been fascinating talking to you but I've got one eye on the clock and I'm, okay I know zoom is going to quick cut out soon, but <laughs> So, is there anything that we, we haven't had a chance to say yet that, that you desperately want people to know about raising a puppy in quarantine? Um, well, you know, I have a uh, free masterclass that I put together that goes over some really important things to think about when you're starting to think about socializing a puppy. I explain what classical conditioning is mm-hmm. um, in a way that I think, I think really uh, sort of makes sense um, to people. Um, and that can be accessed at anniegrossman.com slash masterclass. Um, and, uh, if you sign up, actually, you also get a free ebook, which, uh, goes over what I call the dog training triad, which I think is so important for new dog owners, especially to think about when the triad is, I'll spill the beans. (laughs) It's, um, management timing and rewards. Like how can you create like a well-managed environment? where you are going to be giving appropriate, uh, you know, re- you're going to be reinforcing behaviors that you want and that you're going to be doing that with like really good timing. So um, would love uh, if any of your listeners were interested in checking that out. Um, and beyond that, you know, we just have tons of cool stuff happening all the time at um, our website, schoolforthedogs.com. We've been doing loads of free webinars. We also have group classes, private lessons. Um, and uh, we try and uh, we're, we're trying to, to, like I said, pre- preach the gospel of, of good dog training. You're preaching to the choir here, Annie. 
but it's a great message, so preach it from the rooftops. And I do love puppies are the opposite of death in many ways. Yes, they are. You can find out more and benefit from Annie's training at schoolforthedogs.com, a link you'll find on the Dogcast Radio site. Nothing makes you smile more than looking into the face of a dog that loves you. And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio News. A quick test. A Labradoodle is a mix of a Labrador and... Easy! A Poodle! Well, new research shows it's probably a mix of a Labrador and... A Poodle! Yes, and a Poodle, and a Poodle, and another Poodle, because a study of Australian Labradoodle DNA suggests more Poodles have been introduced over the years. We all know the story of how Wally Conran crossed a Labrador and a Poodle back in 1989, later saying, I opened a Pandora's box and released a Frankenstein's monster. A comment prompted by unethical breeding resulting in dogs with health problems. Dr Elaine Ostrander, a co-author of the new research from the National Human Genome Research Institute in the US, called the extent to which Poodle DNA dominated Australian Labradoodle genome dramatic. Obviously, although the original Labradoodle was a 50-50 lab poodle mix, gradually, as new purebreds were brought into the mix in an attempt to improve the doodle in terms of health and consistency, poodles were more often chosen than Labradors. So would people be better off choosing a poodle rather than a doodle? Well, that's a bigger area than we have time to fully explore now, but we'd love to know what you think. One dog, which certainly wasn't a Labradoodle, was a dog whose remains were recently discovered in Italy. Archaeologists unearthed what they believe could be the remains of one of the very earliest dogs who lived alongside humans up to 20,000 years ago. Researchers from the University of Siena in Italy are hoping the find will shed light on the beginnings of the human-canine dynamic. Interestingly, the genetic profile of one of the dogs discovered at the Italian site is very similar to one found in Germany, 600 miles away. This indicates that both dogs originated from a common population of dogs, which then spread across Europe. Despite cultural differences, dogs may have represented a common cultural feature among human groups. But did they have a role in hunting, or help defend the camp, or maybe have a spiritual significance? And how and why did the relationship between those early dogs and humans become established and flourish? Well, maybe archaeologists will come up with some of the answers. More research now, and you know we love our research, and canine cottages have come up with some interesting research looking into how much dogs love their owners. They did this by attaching heart monitors to four dogs for seven days and establishing their average heartbeat at 67 BPM. When the dogs heard their owner's voice, their heart rate increased 46% to 98 BPM, and sweetly, the phrase chosen for the assessment was, I love you. By comparison, when receiving physical fuss from their owners, the dog's heart rate dropped 23% from 67 BPM to 52 BPM, indicating that the contact relaxed them. So there you go. Official scientific proof our dogs love us. And the study also looked at the human side of the relationship, monitoring their heartbeat, which increased by 10% on average when the owner saw their dog after being away from them. Aww, I love grand. And our dogs raise our heartbeats in other ways, because according to data from Tractive, a firm which provides GPS tracking for pets, British dogs are walked for 177 minutes a day, while French dogs get 170 minutes and German dogs get 160. 
and that correlates to the weights of dogs of those nationalities, with a British Labrador weighing 28 kilograms, while a German Lab weighs 29 kilograms and a French one 31 kilograms. But is it the walking or our dogs which gets us Brits out of walkies? In a 2017 study, Britain was fifth in the world for walking, the highest in Europe, and Julien Dugnoy, an anthropologist at Exeter University, has some interesting theories about dog ownership. He suggests that dogs provide a focal point for conversations, easing the path for us socially awkward, his words not mine, British people to actually interact. He also postulates that the keeping and training of dogs harks back to when it was an aristocratic pursuit, making us feel superior if we have a well-trained dog. But his theory, which I like the best, is that dog walks provide quality time for us and our four-legged friend to enjoy and bond over. And a dog in Turkey recently demonstrated just how strong and instinctive that bond can be, even when a dog doesn't have an owner. Newman Uzonzoy is a street artist who, together with a group of actors, has performed comedies and dramas in towns all over Turkey. One day recently, Newman was in mid-performance when a scene-stealer entered the drama, but he didn't mind too much, as it was a cute four-legged one. And Newman thinks the dog mistook his acted pain at an imaginary injury for genuine distress, and it was his concern for him which drove him to lick his face. The dog disappeared, but touched by the canine's tenderness towards him, Newman has returned to the area to try and track him down, and dearly wants to find the dog a home. And on to another human, this one in Ireland, trying to find a dog a home. Actually, 16 homes for the puppies her dogs accidentally conceived and produced. Now, buckle up, because this is one heck of a story. Now, there's the media-friendly, ha-ha, isn't-it-sweet version of this, where we all ooh and ah over the fact that the litter, consisting of eight boys and eight girls, is the largest delivered in Ireland. The father of the dogs is an Irish setter English spaniel. And the mother is a Labrador Collie Cross. So we all try to devise an amusing designer name for the pup. And oh dear, it was an accidental mating when the dog's neutering had to be cancelled due to COVID-19. Oh dear, the mother dog was only 15 months old. And now all the puppies are being offered free to a good home. But this story needs a lot of unpacking. Now clearly, there were things that were beyond the owner's control, which resulted in undesirable situations developing. So okay, but please. 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 Don't offer animals free to a good home, because truly gruesome things can befall pets disposed of in this manner. If you can't interview potential owners yourself and verify the pup is going to a good home, you're much better asking a reliable charity for help. That's it for now. See you next time. As ever, if you'd like to comment on anything you've heard today, the way to do this is detailed at the end of the theme tune. And to make sure we end on a positive note, if you listen to the very end, there's always Jenny's joke. And, by the way, after 15 years of podcasts, it's becoming more of a challenge to find a family-friendly dog-themed joke. So if you know one, do tell us it, and we'll tell everyone else. Until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at 
radio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What do you get when you cross a dog and a calculator? A friend you can count on.